Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Monday, August 12th, and uh, man, I had a somewhat of a vacation this weekend. I went out of town with my two best friends in the entire world. And I'm, I'm not exactly rested. That's not the word I would use. I worked a ton. So, like, we would, like, go adventuring all day, hiking or whatever we were doing. And then at night, my friends would go to bed, and I would work till about 4 in the morning writing the shows and getting notes ready and watching some film analysis study and stuff like that. But uh, I, I, I have a weird thing. I, I like working. Working gives me peace of mind. And so I might not be physically rested, but, man, I feel great because I got a lot of work done this weekend. Um, now I'll say I went to Crater Lake National Park this weekend. If you ever can in the Oregon area, please go do it. We drove around all over Oregon. We went to Sun River, Oregon, outside of Bend. Rode bikes all over the place. Oh my gosh! Um, I just am so grateful that I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I've been all over the country. I, I like a lot. Of, I, look, I, I think the United States of America has so many beautiful things. A lot of people want to travel all over the world. I do too. But like, there's so much to see just in the, the United States itself. Um, but I, I'm grateful, man. The Pacific Northwest is home to me. And I, I just think it's so beautiful. There is so much cool stuff here. Um, I'm really, and by the way, I stayed for free at people's houses, saved a ton of money, like not having to pay for housing when you travel. And a place to sleep is a huge advantage. Uh, I want to jump into the show. We have a short episode today. I mean, a relatively short, right? Shorter than most. We're going to talk about Antonio Brown. We'll talk about young quarterbacks, the NFL preseason. I'm going to predict what I, who I believe will win rookie of the year. Uh, we're going to talk about Matthew Stafford. I'm going to share my thoughts and Give you an analysis of sorts of, of Matthew Stafford, share my impressions. Uh, we will talk about Tate Martell, the quarterback of University of Miami. I've been, my DMs have blown up all day. I mean, it's only, it's 1110 here on the West Coast. And I have gotten like a, over 100 messages already on Instagram about Tate Martell. Dude, look, I think I have the most engaged group of people on Instagram. It's so bizarre. Like I only have, I have what, like 5,000 something followers, but they all, I feel like every day they all message me. It's insane. Um, we also, at the end of the show, we're going to do, uh, ask Zach, very excited this week. I'm going to do a lot of podcasts. I'm going to do probably like, I, I could very easily do four podcasts this week. One, almost every single day. I have a lot of stuff to get out. Um, I worked a ton this weekend. I'm way ahead and I'm very excited to share everything I got going on. I want to jump right into Antonio Brown though. I know that's what you guys want to hear about. So what I want to talk about, I know you want to hear about that and you want to hear about the rookie quarterback. So let's do that. Um, Oh, man. Uh, Antonio Brown is being a diva. This, week, um, uh, this weekend, week, um, what is that word? Uh, this weekend, reporter uh, Adam Scheffler uh, shared this. I can't even talk. Raiders wide receiver Antonio Brown has told team officials that unless he gets to wear his old helmet, then he will not play football again. That is what Adam Schefter reported. Uh, first of all, that is ridiculous. And uh, the lesson to me is this. I, I, I personally have taken this to heart. I, I, I feel, it feels like a punch in the gut. I feel like an idiot. In the real world, I don't put up with high maintenance or drama. No matter how talented someone is, I always am like, I don't care how great it is to be around you. If the bad moments are that bad, I'm done. Like in the dating world, for example, no matter how gorgeous a girl is, no matter how fun our dates are, and she's drama all the time, a ton of nonsense all the time. I walk away. I would. I, I don't want to tolerate nonsense. And with Antonio Brown, I should have seen this coming. I feel like an idiot, man. I should have seen this 
forever ago. I was so excited to watch Antonio Brown play for the Raiders. He's so incredibly talented. I think, you know, if he plays great, he would help Derek Carr, the Raiders quarterback, a ton. But he is a total drama queen. He just is. That's who he is as a player. And I I needed to ask myself, what would Bill Belichick do here? Legendary coach of the Patriots. He's won six Super Bowls. Bill Belichick doesn't tolerate BS. He doesn't. Bill Belichick would trade Antonio Brown. Frankly, Bill Belichick would have traded Ezekiel Elliott, the Dallas Cowboys running back. If, if you hold out, Bill Belichick's like, I'm not putting up with that. Get out of here. He wouldn't have gotten into that situation in the first place. You don't hold out with the Patriots. Has it ever happened? I, don't, I can't remember it. You know, players are like people in the dating pool. They have a ton of drama. Run fast and run far. Get away from that. This is not the first time Antonio Brown has been a drama queen. The Steelers traded him away because he was too much for them. Facebook live stream in the locker room. He had weird issues with other receivers and their quarterback, Big Ben. He wouldn't play at the end of the season. I, here's, the situa- here's the situation. Antonio Brown wears a really old helmet. It's a shut air alliance, and it's 10 years old. Now, NFL policy does not allow you to wear a helmet that is 10 years old or older. After a decade, there's a line, helmets are declared too old, and NFL policy does not allow for players to wear decade-old helmets. So again, after a decade, a helmet is too old for a player to use in the NFL. That is NFL policy. It's a rule. It's a law in the book. And Antonio Brown believes he's bigger than the law and above the law. The NFL is just trying to look out for themselves. They are trying to avoid being sued by players with head injuries. They're doing what they can. And I don't think, uh, look, there's a lot of helmets that came out in the last 10 years. Antonio Brown is threatening to retire because he can't wear a 10-year-old helmet. And last year, by the way, he was notified by the NFL, hey, your helmet's nine years old. You are not going to be allowed to use it next season. 2018 is the last year you're able to use it. He knew it coming into this year. This is not an issue between Antonio Brown and the Raiders. It's an issue between AB and the league. NFL policy. And this whole situation is ridiculous. An unnamed Raiders coach was quoted saying this. We don't know who he is. Anonymous. But an unnamed Raiders coach said this. He said, honestly, the most insane thing I've ever heard. I don't know why it's so important to him. It doesn't make any sense. And (laughs) man, pretty much. Yeah, I agree with that. What the heck's going on? Also, apparently, Antonio Brown has frostbitten feet. He had an accident during a cryotherapy session. He left the Raiders. He's seeking treatment. He's basically cut off all contact with the Raiders. And then there's more. Apparently, he's been late to meetings. And the meetings, he, sometimes he misses meetings. Apparently, the meetings he does go to, he's not paying attention. He's very distracted. It's so bizarre. And I should have seen this coming from a mile away. When the Steelers traded him away... Antonio Brown is the best wide receiver in the entire NFL, and the Steelers said, we will give him away. The Steelers traded him away for a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick. That's basically nothing. Red flag should have gone off to me right there. You know, the Steelers wanted to get rid of him because of the drama in the locker room. They didn't want to deal with him. His helmet, now he's not going to meetings. Drama, drama, drama. Right? 
right? Right? I mean, all, all we're hearing is a bunch of crap about Antonio Brown. Drama, right? Right? Hmm. Okay, now I'm going to flip the script on you guys. I've never done this. I've never set up something one way and then argued the other direction. Um, so far, I've painted Antonio Brown as a total drama queen, which he absolutely is. Antonio Brown is a pain in the butt, ton of nonsense. Everything I said was completely true. But I made a comparison that's a bad one that I'm sure a lot of people in the media are going to make. I said if Antonio Brown was in the dating pool, I'd walk away. Too much noise, too much irritation, too much drama. Now here's the truth about me as a person. I hate that stuff. I hate when dogs bark. You go into a house, they won't shut up. It's like, I, I, I like quiet dogs. I don't like that nonsense. That's too much. The, the loud dog, done. Nope. I wear the same clothes every single day because I don't like making decisions. I don't like that nonsense. I don't like large crowds. don't like loud noises. don't like loud spaces. I, I, I don't, the things I don't like, I don't tolerate. To, you know, to a reasonable extent, right? The things I can control, I avoid them. I have a low tolerance for BS. Antonio Brown riled me up when I heard all this news. I was like, oh, what the heck? Dang it. And then the most interesting thing happened. The Raiders head coach, John Gruden, did the smartest thing I have ever heard of an NFL coach doing. It, I, I am so blown away and astounded by what John Gruden did. He came out and said, I support Antonio Brown. And I was like, what? I cannot, and, and be very, be clear too. He didn't say, I believe Antonio Brown should have the helmet he wants. He didn't say, he didn't even mention the helmet. He said, I support Antonio Brown. That's very careful language. That's very good language to use as lawyer speak. Here's what John Gruden did with that comment. By saying, I support Antonio Brown, he removed the controversy. I have never been more impressed with any NFL head coach than I have been with John Gruden this offseason. He's done multiple things. I'll list them in a minute. And I just go, wow. You know, I've said I would end the relationship because I don't want to put up with the nonsense. John Gruden, unfazed. Nonsense? Yeah. I think we need to start giving John Gruden more credit. He knew this was coming. When he traded for Antonio Brown, he knew exactly who Antonio Brown was. He knew he'd get a ton of nonsense and a ton of drama. But he doesn't care. Because John Gruden wants the benefit that Antonio Brown brings to the Raiders on Sundays. He's manipulating things perfectly. Dating a girl, it's a ton of nonsense. She's always mad, ton of BS. Like, I'm, ah. And instead of letting it bother him, he's just gone, who cares? You like the benefits. I like the benefits of dating this girl. The drama is roll your eyes, you laugh at it, you don't let it bother you. Ah, that's just Sheila. Whatever, whatever. Where did Sheila come from? That's a weird name to bring up. That's just how it is. You got out, doesn't bother me. John, John Gruden doesn't care what kind of helmet Antonio Brown wears. He doesn't. Frankly, I don't think he cares about anything really he does. All he wants from Antonio Brown is to play on Sundays and play his butt off. Doesn't care if he's in meetings. He, he can't really say that publicly, obviously, but secretly, deep down, it doesn't matter. 
All that matters is, does Antonio Brown show up on Sundays and continue to be the best receiver in the entire NFL? That is what the Raiders want. They can't say that publicly. They never will. But that's, that's what you want from Antonio Brown. Is he a pain in the butt? Is there a ton of nonsense? Of course. Also, you got to remember, <laughs> the Raiders got Antonio Brown basically for free. They gave the Steelers a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick for the best wide receiver in the entire NFL. Unbelievable. That's unreal. The Steelers just didn't want to deal with him. They said, have him. Take him. I I had actually forgotten how much they gave up to get Antonio Brown. In my head, I was assuming first-round pick. No. I, I, I was reminded, oh, yeah, they got him basically for nothing. The Raiders said, we will gladly take all of this nonsense because we want the benefits he brings to our team on the field on Sundays. He said, we're going to take a different approach than the Steelers did. Instead of getting wild up, letting all the nonsense bother him, we're going to expect it. We're going to deal with it. We're just going to accept it. We're, that's who he is. And guess what? We're going to support him. John Gruden said he supported Antonio Brown. What? Where did that come from? It's genius. Let's be honest about something. What would John Gruden gain from challenging Antonio Brown, from calling him out, for saying, why isn't he a pro? Nothing. All you do is make Antonio Brown mad. Antonio Brown is a crazy person. Deal with him like you would a crazy person. (laughs) Don't make them mad. Don't make them hate you. Here's what he did. Instead of becoming enemies with Antonio Brown by calling out the receiver, John Gruden made him an ally. And now, even if so, because in my opinion, I, I think Antonio Brown is kind of a crazy person who is going to have a bunch of nonsense the entire time he's with the Raiders. He's a drama queen. But now, if ever in a meeting privately with John Gruden, maybe even publicly, if Antonio Brown ever says, John Gruden hates me, all John Gruden has to say is, no, I don't. I traded for him. I like him. I want him. And I support him. I've always supported him. I supported him when the NFL was mean to him, when I let him have his helmet. Uh, Antonio, when the NFL was mean, they tried to take your helmet. I was here for you. I said I supported you. I got your back. John Gruden doesn't care about the helmet. It's not about the helmet. It's about Sundays. Here's the other reality about Antonio Brown. There is no way Antonio Brown is going to retire. It's an empty threat. I have never seen a player work the way Antonio Brown does. He's Again, his work ethic reminds me of Jerry Rice. Obviously, they are far different people off the field. I'd way rather have Jerry Rice on my team. Say what you want, though, about Antonio Brown. His work ethic is unbelievable. All my friends who play receiver at Division I, in Division I football at that level say, nobody's like Antonio Brown. Nobody does it. The reason why Antonio Brown is the best wide receiver in the NFL is not because he's the biggest or the strongest or the most Physically, no, it's he works his butt off. He's developed himself as a player. His technique is flawless. So obviously to me, you don't do that much work if you don't love something. It's like skateboarding. People that, you know, skateboarders have this, you know, kind of stereotype about them. They don't work hard. Try learning how to kickflip and tell me that a skateboarder doesn't understand hard work. The, you jump, the board flips under you, and you land on it. If you can do that every time, you clearly understand the meaning of hard work. Antonio Brown didn't do the work because he doesn't love. He loves football. That's why Antonio Brown did all that work. It's obvious to me he loves football. 
Another factor is money. Look, if Antonio Brown retired right now, he would forfeit $30 million guaranteed. That's an insane person would do that. You don't, and no, he is crazy, but I don't think even Antonio Brown is going to walk away from a $30 million guaranteed. No way. Antonio Brown is just a bunch of nonsense, and John Gruden is not bothered by it in the slightest. He just wants the benefit of his talent. You really got to give John Gruden credit here. He has his years in the media taught him how to manipulate the media. He knows what happens when coaches say certain things. You know, a big rumor for the Raiders this offseason was whether or not Derek Carr is really their franchise quarterback. Does John Gruden actually believe in Derek Carr? Is Derek Carr the future quarterback of the Raiders? Is he the long-term plan? And John Gruden did something really smart. He changed the narrative about that. What he did was brought in Nathan Peterman. <laughs> My dad sent me a meme this morning about Nathan Peterman. It said, you know, Nathan Peterman plays quarterback, by the way. It said, Nathan Peterman, defensive player of the week. Because at one point, Nathan Peterman threw five interceptions in one half of a game. In the last 20 years, Nathan Peterman is the biggest joke among quarterbacks in the entire NFL. Nothing like it. Never seen anything like it. He's a joke. He's a meme. The idea to suggest that Nathan Peterman is going to replace Derek Carr is a joke. It's laughable. To me, that's why John Gruden brought him in. The idea is so ridiculous. Of course it's not going to happen. What that does is removes the narrative. Is someone going to replace Derek Carr? (laughs) Their backup's Nathan Peterman. He ain't going anywhere. Now all the focus is on John Gruden. Every time John Gruden says, I... Wow, Nathan Peterman's really growing on me. He's slowly shifting the narrative away from Derek Carr, taking the pressure off, taking the attention away from him. You got to give John Gruden credit. He knows exactly what he's doing. So Antonio Brown, he's a bunch of nonsense. But it doesn't concern me at all. It doesn't. John Gruden isn't bothered. John Gruden has a plan. He traded for him. He expected this. You trade for Antonio Brown, a guy who's had a history of nonsense with the Steelers. Of course he's going to be nonsense now. It's really funny to me, too. Here's the other narrative, man. So I'm not worried about him at all, but I cannot believe people say the Raiders made a mistake trading for him. They gave away a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick for the opportunity to have the best wide receiver in the entire NFL on your team. That's a good risk to take. Well worth the risk, if you ask me. I, I don't know, man. I, I just, I really think the Raiders know what they're doing. And I am not concerned about the Antonio Brown drama, even in the slightest. It's not a concern to me. It's not a problem. I wouldn't worry about it. Okay, uh, let's now talk about young quarterbacks in the preseason. We just had the first week of NFL preseason games. And, uh, oh my God. Goodness, everybody overreacts. Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Kyler Murray, Josh Rosen. You know, first of all, by the way, you got to understand, please, for the love, like even the fact that NFL analysts don't understand this drives me nuts. The NFL preseason is meaningless. The only reason people pretend there's meaning is because it gives them clicks and creates drama and creates good headlines. When you say Kyler Murray's electric, Kyler Murray showed he's clearly an outstanding playmaker. Uh, we knew Kyler Murray was an outstanding playmaker. He just won the Heisman Trophy. 
And he threw like six completions and didn't throw the ball over 15 yards. Didn't even, they went, they went three out. Eventually they had to punt on the drive. He had a couple first downs, they had to punt. The hyperbole around these young quarterbacks is insane to me. Daniel Jones went five for five with a touchdown. That's great, by the way. And Daniel Jones, the Giants quarterback, should be happy. That's a good, that's a really cool thing to do with your first time ever playing the NFL is go five for five with a touchdown. But what makes me laugh is one minute, the city of New York hates Daniel Jones. Cannot believe they drafted him. Next minute, he has a little tiny bit of success in a preseason game. And suddenly there's a giant quarterback controversy. He shouldn't start. The guy you've loved, Eli Manning, who you supported for years, suddenly just by the wayside, you don't even care. People are so extreme. Why are we not more moderate? Either he's a bust or he's the greatest quarterback of all time. Why is that the two options? Why can't he just be a young quarterback developing, which is the honest truth. The problem is that opinion right there, that he's a young guy getting better, it's not as interesting. The, the clicks aren't as exciting. It's not a cool headline. You know, Daniel Jones is a young quarterback getting better. He's a rookie. But, but that's the truth. Like, let, can we be honest about it? I believe Daniel Jones is the future of the Giants. But can we not overreact all the time? And I just, I cannot get over. The reaction to Kyler Murray was absurd. He didn't do anything really of consequence. He threw a couple short passes. Even the announcer was like overhyping him, going, wow, what a great throw that was. He threw a five-yard screen pass, dude. How about you watch the Alabama game last year? If you want to say Kyler Murray showed he's a playmaker, watch Alabama, Oklahoma last year. Go watch his college film. You'll see NFL throw after NFL throw. But in his first preseason game, it's not a bad thing. He just wasn't that impressive. He was fine. He, was, he had a good day, a good, solid day. He wasn't like electric. That's the word pro, fo- you know, pro football talk. Is a, I didn't click on their video. I saw the thing on you. I was like, electric is the word you use? The hyperbole is ridiculous. I, and I'm just restating the same thing. Uh, you know, there, there are two takeaways you can take away from when it comes to Kyler Murray's first game. The number one thing is this. I really like the approach the Cardinals are, are doing on offense. Their air raid system is exactly what they're doing. They had four wide most of the plays, Kyler Murray was in four wide receivers. They're going to spread teams out and steal yards with short passes. That's one takeaway you can have. The other takeaway is this. This is what really impressed me with Kyler Murray. has nothing to do really with how he plays. We already know he can play football. But he was poised. His demeanor was comfortable. He was calm. Calm, cool, collected. My takeaway is nerves I don't think are ever going to be an issue for Kyler Murray. He clearly understands I ain't playing the game of football. I've played it my whole life at high school, in college, now in the NFL. The only thing that really changes is if people get a little bit faster. The game is a little bit, it's, it's obviously a higher level. And there are more people in the stands and watching on TV. But it's the same game. It's the same game. It doesn't matter. I, I think nerves are not going to be an issue for Kyler Murray. But was he electric? I want everybody to relax. Okay, look, Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones had positive outings and then we freak out when Dwayne Haskins and Josh Rosen were meh they were like meh that's fine Dwayne Haskins had two interceptions people are ready to like he's a bust he's terrible can't believe dude he's a rookie quarterback playing in the NFL for the first time slow down 
I just, I don't understand, you know, either they're the stars or they're busts. And the answer, honestly, somewhere in the middle. All these young quarterbacks are young quarterbacks slowly getting better. They're making strides. We got to give them patience. Like, I, I think Kyler Murray is going to be great, but his performance in the preseason, I'm just, I'm just repeating the same thing. I understand. But it just, I, I just could not believe the reaction. Everyone's like so quick to be like, look at this great headline or horrible. It's either doom and gloom in Washington with the Redskins or <laughs> Daniel Jones is going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. Can we please, for the love of, I, I don't want to say, please, please, can we just be moderate about these young quarterbacks? Okay. Um, man, we just had week one of the NFL preseason and injuries. Patriots rookie wide receiver Nikhil Harry got hurt. Uh, he's fine, right? I, I, he looked like he's okay. They took him out more for precautionary reasons. But I was worried. When Nikhil Harry got hurt for the Patriots, I went, oh, crap. Really? And, and this is the whole thought. I've been saying this. I've said this every preseason. I've said this forever. I don't understand why coaches insist to play players during the preseason. The Chargers tight end tours ACL out for the year. To me, the preseason has two functions. One, you want to develop young players. And two, you want to make roster cuts. You want to watch the young players. Let them play. Let them grow and develop. And then you want to play the guys you're not sure about so you can make decisions who you want to keep and who you don't. It's not that complicated. If there's a player you need during the regular season, if they're a starter, I don't care if they're a Pro Bowl starter or if they're your lowest starter on the totem pole. They should not play in the preseason. It's not worth the risk. If he's a starter... Do not play him, period. End of story. I, look, I know that's unpopular. People get, I don't really care what people think. Other than rookies, I wouldn't play starters. I don't get it. Starters are, sorry, excuse me, rookies are slightly different. Rookies are learning a new playbook. Plus, they've never played in the NFL before. They are getting over their nerves and getting used to things, trying to build confidence. But even Akil Harry, that rookie wide receiver for the Patriots, let him play one series. Hey, Nikhil, you did it. You had a couple catches, and you have some confidence. Now you're done. We're not playing you the rest of the preseason. We like you. We want your body to be healthy and rested, but we don't want you taking unnecessary hits. And we don't want to risk you getting hurt, man. We like you. We don't want to hurt you at all. Guys get enough reps in practice, especially if they've played in the NFL before. You don't need a preseason game. I, I, I don't. In college, you just start the season. You start at cold turkey. You just start the year. I don't know. We don't need the number one wide receiver for the Patriots. I'm not a Patriots fan. I probably sound like one, especially what I'm going to say next. But you just don't need your number one wide receiver getting hurt in a meaningless game. That's a stupid plan. Remember when Julian Edelman got hurt in 2017? This is where I was going next. Towards ACL in 2017 in the preseason, missed the entire year. That is not worth it. Not worth it at all. I understand, man. People want to give them one drive, get their nerves out so they're ready for the year. But, man, I, I, I don't get it. Literally, I'm giving my starters, like, you want to play a drive? You can play one drive all preseason. That's it. I'm not getting you hurt. I want to see the young guys play. It's just not worth the risk. I, I will never understand all these injuries in the NFL preseason. Every year it happens is some guys get hurt, and they're out for the year. They're going to miss six weeks, or they're... It's like, why? Why are you risking their bodies? They don't need it. They practice enough. They get a ton of reps in practice. Tom Brady, like Tom Brady should never, ever play in the preseason. But even Baker Mayfield. Let him play one drive, he's done. Done for the preseason for the rest of the year. 
He's not playing again until week one. That's what I would do. Even if, I don't care if it's your tight end, your safety, if he's a starter and you need him on Sundays, he is not playing during the preseason. That's my opinion. I, I, I cannot believe more people don't have that stance. I, every year, I just go, wow, more guys get hurt and nothing changes. Just no value. Meaningless games, and I just do not understand it. Okay. Um, my prediction is that Nikhil Harry, the Patriots wide receiver, is going to win Rookie of the Year. He's going to shred it. In my opinion, he's going to be so good this year. Uh, you know, he's the best. He's the number one wide receiver that Tom Brady's had since Randy Moss. And I don't mean to make a Randy Moss comparison. Please do not compare Randy Moss and Nikhil Harry. Randy Moss is a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Nikhil Harry is a first-year rookie wide receiver. Totally unfair. Now what I'm trying to do. My point is that it's been a long time since Tom Brady's had a really good, true number one wide receiver. It's just been a long time. Nikhil Harry is the best guy he's had in a while. Great against man coverage, has really good hands. They together are going to be a really fun match to watch. And I think that that match is going to produce really good stats and going to give Nikhil Harry a really good chance to win Rookie of the Year. Now, it is really rare for a wide receiver to win Rookie of the Year. It doesn't happen very often. Uh, Usually it goes to a quarterback or a running back. Now, stipulation. If Kyler Murray goes off, and plays well at all, he's going to win Rookie of the Year. It's going to happen. He's got a huge advantage over most other rookie quarterbacks and a lot of, a lot of, uh, over a lot of other rookies in general, which is that he's going to play all season. It's a big deal. So if he plays all year and plays really well, Kyler Murray's going to win Rookie of the Year. Doesn't you know? Not going to happen. That's it, going to kind of be end of story. That's what's going to happen. And if you look at who's won Rookie of the Year in the last 16 years, look at historically who's won. First of all, defense. Never wins. One time since 2003, really since 2002, has a defender won Rookie of the Year. Now, Leighton Vanderesh last year was fantastic for the Cowboys. He's one of the best linebackers in the entire league. He didn't, didn't win Rookie of the Year. He, he should have, in my opinion. Didn't. Totally overlooked. Again, the only guy since 2002 to win, and I didn't go beyond 2002. I didn't go past that. And Dominican Sue won Rookie of the Year in 2010 with the Lions. That's it. Now, since 2003, 16 people have won Rookie of the Year. Half of them, eight of them were quarterbacks. And 04 was Big Ben. 2006 was Vince Young. 2008, Joe Flacco. 2011, Cam Newton. Then Russell Wilson won it in 2012. 2014 was uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Jameis Winston in 2015. 2016 was Dak Prescott. It's usually a quarterback that wins Rookie of the Year. And if it's not a quarterback, it's a running back. Again, eight, half of the guys who've won Rookie of the Year in the last 16 years have been quarterbacks. The other, you know, five of the remaining eight were running backs. A guy named Dominic Davis, who I've never heard of, played for the Texans in 2003 and won it. Cadillac Williams in 05 for the Buccaneers won it. Adrian Peterson won it in 2007. Alvin Kamara in 2017. And Saquon Barkley in 2018. But the third option, if it's not a quarterback and it's not a running back, It's a wide receiver. 2009, it was Percy Harvin. 2013, it was Keenan Allen with the Chargers. So I am calling my shot. I really, truly believe Nikhil Harry either will win Rookie of the Year or has an extremely good chance because he's going to put up really good numbers 
with Tom Brady. And those numbers will be too good for people to ignore. So I think he's going to overcome the odds. And Nikhil Harry will, in fact, win the NFL Rookie of the Year. Now, I know he got hurt the other day. I think he's fine. My suspicion is the Patriots are playing it safe. The reports were that it was a minor injury. They're like, we're not going to risk hurting our best receiver. We're not going to play him the rest of the preseason. Makes total sense to me. But Nikhil Harry and Tom Brady are going to be a really fun match to watch. And I think the numbers they're going to put up are going to be too hard to ignore. And Nikhil Harry will, in fact, win the Rookie of the Year. Okay, before we go to break, uh, after the break, what's going to come up, we're going to talk about Matthew Stafford, my thoughts and impressions. We're going to talk about Tate Martell. Uh, I, I got blown up. A ton of news about him came out today. Uh, then we'll finish the show with Ask Zach. But before we do that, segment I do every single episode. If you are struggling, please go get help. Please, please, I'm begging you. Uh, go get help. Three years ago, my younger brother took his life. And uh, darkest time of my, I mean, first of all, it, it really, I dropped out of college. It, it ruined my life for a long time. And without the help and support of people around me, I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be here doing this show. That's for sure. Uh, there are two things, though, about my brother's death that make me really sad and that I think were somewhat of failures in that situation. The first one is something I did or something I didn't do, actually, which was I don't think I made it clear enough to my brother that I loved him and that I was there for him. You know, if he was struggling and needed help, I wish I'd done a better job saying, dude, I love you. And if you need someone to talk to, my door is always open. I'd love to talk to you and, and help you out. And uh, we'd play Halo once a week. I drove over to his house and we played Halo together. All that time, hours a week. Never, never brought it up, never told me he was having a hard time, nothing. And that's, I think, somewhat on me. I didn't make it clear enough, hey man, the door is open if you need it. So make sure the people in your life know you love them and you care about them and you're there for them. The second failure to me is, you know, my brother didn't tell me he was struggling. My brother didn't tell anybody he was struggling. He suffered in silence. And that's heartbreaking and sad. So the suicide hotline is 1-800-273-825. The suicide hotline is one 800 Two seven three eight two five five. If you're struggling, go get help. Really, please seek professional help. Your friends are great, um, and hopefully they they're there to support you. But professionals know what they're doing. They can handle that situation way better. Go seek professional help if you're having a, tar- a hard time and struggling with depression or really any. Just go seek professional help. Get you know mental health is a real thing. My brother took his life three years ago. It was miserable and sad. And so I just encourage everybody if you're having a hard time, please go get help. All right, guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Let's play a game real quick. Before I go to break, at 3.30 in the morning, I got home from vacation. I put this hot coffee into a hydro flask that I got from Pac-12 Network, and I worked for them. I have no idea if this is going to be hot or cold. I hope it's hot. Before I go to break, I'm going to find out. Ready? Three. I opened it. Wow, carbonated. Guys, that hot coffee is still hot. Almost 10 hours. My math is terrible. Three in the morning, I put it in. It's 11.43 a.m. now. And that coffee is still hot. Hydro flasks are amazing. Um, I wish this was a sponsored ad. They're not. But man, if a, if a hydro flask company ever wants to sponsor me, I will speak their praises. These things are amazing. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Uh, something you may not know, coffee actually dehydrates your throat. It's really good. If I'm having a hard time talking, I've learned. A sip of coffee actually solves the problem. So uh, I want to jump into a topic that makes me somewhat sad. Um, I guess really the best way to start this is to say that, you know, it's just time for me to admit something that makes me sad. 
uh, I'm out of time. <laughs> I will not be able to make a Matthew Stafford film analysis before the NFL season starts. It's not going to happen. Uh, on August 20th, my college football team begins training camp. I play quarterback in college, and I'm not making any videos during my season. From August 20th until around Thanksgiving, I'm not making any videos. And uh, I've got a lot of work between now and August 20th when I leave an NFL prediction show, a bunch of other stuff, a couple other film analysis videos I've mostly done, and I haven't started a, a, a Matthew Stafford film analysis. It's not going to happen this year. So next year in the offseason, in February, the minute the Super Bowl is over, you, you bet you're sweet, man, I'm going to start working on a Matthew Stafford film analysis. I can't wait to do it. Um, but, you know, people ask me all the time still what I think of him. And I can't give you a 35-minute video. I haven't watched any film. But I do want to share my impressions and my thoughts of what happened. Here's what my gut tells me about Matthew Stafford. Um, Matthew Stafford has 26 fourth-quarter comebacks in his career. Among active players, he's sixth on the list of the most fourth-quarter comebacks in the NFL. Every quarterback that is more than him has been in the league longer than him. You know, there are five quarterbacks ahead of him. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Big Ben... And Eli Manning. Only one I really would call Matthew Stafford's contemporary, which is Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan entered the year in 2008. He has 27 fourth quarter comebacks. Matthew Stafford entered the NFL a year after him in uh, 2009. And that's 26. Ryan has one more year, one more fourth quarter comeback. Both are great quarterbacks, by the way. And I hope this is clear. I would take Matthew Stafford over Kirk Cousins any day. I really like Matthew Stafford. I'm, I'm high on him. Now, my gut tells me that Matthew Stafford is really good, but sadly just has not gotten a lot of help. He puts up some incredible numbers, and some people punish him for that. By the way, Rob Parker, I think he works for Fox Sports. I've heard him say this before. He calls him pa uh, Stat Padford is what he calls him. It's so stupid. It's like they, they use his stats against him as if having good stats is somehow a bad thing. Now, other people use this argument. They say that Matthew Stafford was only as good stats because of his, quarter, his former wide receiver, Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson retired in March 2016. In 2016, without Calvin Johnson, that later that year, he threw for 4,327 yards, 24 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and over a 65% completion percentage. Then the next year in 2017, again, without Calvin Johnson at wide receiver, Matthew Stafford threw for 4,000 446 yards, 29 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and again, over a 65% completion percentage, 65.7. So in fact, to say that Matthew Stafford was only good because he played with Calvin Johnson is simply not true, at least if you look at just the stats. I haven't watched film. I'm sorry, that's the best I can offer is stats. I know that's what a lot of other analysts do. Usually I give more in depth than a bunch of, I talk about his habits and he does this and that. I can't do that today. This is just more of my gut speaking. But those stats are no joke. Clearly, Matthew Stafford is a talented quarterback. I love his arm. I've seen enough of him to say his arm strength and accuracy is incredible. He's got a great arm. But I think Matthew Stafford is the victim of being a part of the Detroit Lions organization. In the QBs, we all know quarterbacks have the most impact on a team of any position in football. But even for quarterbacks... There's a limit to how much success you can have without help. Even a ton of talent cannot overcome a ton of dysfunction. A bad organization, a bad owner, a bad roster, poor coaching, 
even Aaron Rodgers, who some people say, I don't agree with this, but some people believe Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback of all time. We can all acknowledge he's supremely talented. Even Aaron Rodgers has been unable to carry a bad Packers team in his career. Aaron Rodgers can't even carry a bad team. So my gut tells me, man, Matthew Stafford, this guy's carried his team 26 times to fourth quarter comebacks. He's carried his team at times, but you can't do it that way consistently. That is not a sustainable way to win games. A quarterback doing all the work and, and carrying your team, you can't do it. I think Matthew Stafford's a good quarterback who, again, has been a victim of a bad franchise and a bad organization. We'll see. I, I'm super excited to watch this film in February and test my hypothesis. That'll be fun. I hope you look forward to that video. I can't wait to share it someday. But for now, that's my impression of Matthew Stafford. That is what my gut tells me and what my, my sense is of Matthew Stafford as a quarterback. I think he's a really good quarterback who just has not had enough help in his career. Okay, uh, this is the one. I have gotten so many messages about this story to just today. Like, I, it still blows my mind a little bit that my phone does blow up. Like, I don't feel... <sighs> I, it's hard to keep up with all the messages I get. I'm, I'm so grateful for Patreon, which is a place where I can filter out. I just find the, the cream of the crop, the best messages from that group. But here's the story. The University of Miami just named... Jaron Williams, their starting quarterback. The two guys that are not starting are Nikosi Perry and Tate Martell. Tate Martell is the person I want to focus on. That's who I've gotten on the messages about. People said, how do you feel about Tate Martell being QB number two at Miami? You know, this is going to test Tate Martell's mental toughness and his attitude a lot. He transferred into Miami with the hope and expectation to become the starting quarterback. He left Ohio State. You know, Justin Fields transferred into Ohio State. He said, I'm going to leave. I want to find a place where I can try to play and get on the field. Because uh, he would not have played at Ohio State with Justin Fields on the same roster as him. And so now that he's not going to play at Miami, he's just got a decision to make. How are you going to continue to carry forward? My hope is that he stays positive and just keeps staying ready to go. Ready and prepared for his moment. You never know when you're going to get a shot. Either Jaron Williams is going to really struggle. Maybe he gets hurt. But if you're not ready for a moment, you're, you're not going to look good and you're not going to have a good time. I, I really hope for the sake of Tate Martell, he just keeps working. And if you work really hard and are prepared and you get opportunity, your opportunity, you can make the most of it. Um, this was not a big dramatic moment to me. A lot of people were like, can you believe it? He did this and that. I don't care about the drama part of this. I feel for the guy, the human. Um, and, and I just hope he has a good attitude. You know, my freshman year, I got beat out. My freshman year of college... Uh, four years ago, you know, I'm a sophomore in college now. Do the math. I dropped out for a long time. I got beat out and left college. Said I, I got beat out by this guy. I should be starting. And I got mad and irritated. And I just left and gave up. And what I learned from that experience is, man, when you, when, when you run into adversity, all you can control is your attitude and your effort. I would give this advice to anybody who gets beat out. Who cares who starts week one? You want to be the guy who's ready to finish the job. Be ready. If you ever get a chance to play, you had better be ready for your opportunity. Here's the other thing. Having a bad attitude is not going to help the situation at all. There's no gain from being negative. There's no gain from not working hard. 
All you can control, again, is your attitude and your effort. I hope that Tate Martell keeps doing the work. He keeps getting better every single week, worrying about himself and trying to be prepared for if he gets a moment. I really hope the guy's ready. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't really know he's an NFL quarterback. I haven't watched a ton of his film. But just on the human side, stay positive. Control your attitude. Control your effort. Keep working. And I hope if Tate Martell gets a chance, he seizes the moment. And, and I'm rooting for the guy, man. He, it's, he's a big national story, a giant quarterback who uh, was a star in high school. And that fall from grace is hard. It's hard to go from you know, a high, you know, highly recruited, top-ranked quarterback to a backup. Very publicly a backup. That's tough. So I'm rooting for him. And I'm wishing Tate Martell the best. I'm rooting for him. I'm going to watch his story this year. And if he gets an opportunity, you bet I'm going to cover it and, and be excited and report about it. And, and I hope if he does get his chance, he's ready and seizes the moment. Okay. Um, it's time for Ask Zach. This segment is the way I end every podcast. Uh, people who support me on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. It's a dollar a month. You can, you can give me more money if you want, but if you give me a dollar a month, you have access to submit questions to me using Patreon. I only accept questions from Patreon, but if you send me a DM on Patreon, you can comment on one of my posts. You can, there's all kinds of ways you can contact me through Patreon. If you are one of my Patreon supporters, I will accept your questions. And then I, I don't pick your question necessarily, but I look at all the questions. And then the top couple questions I get, you know, I, I look at it and I, I pick the top couple to answer on the show. It's fun. I love it. We have six questions I want to answer today. I want to start with Evan. Evan writes in and says, Zach. He said, well, he says, hey, Zach, I appreciate all you do for us providing content for us. I'm going to miss your podcast during your break, but I hope you tear it up the season on the football field. My question is, how do you think the air raid offense will translate to the NFL? Do you think it's going to start a revolution as teams begin using the concepts more and more? More and more? I guess the way to read that is, it's fun to practice it. You know, reading aloud is hard. He said, do you think it's going to start a revolution as teams become, begin using the concepts more and more? <laughs> I did it wrong there again. Will it be comparable to the change in the last decade as the emergence of the three ball in the NBA? Yeah, it's hard to read aloud. So I guess the question, though, is, is the air raid offense going to change things? You know, the three ball in the NBA is a great example and a great comparison where Everybody has to shoot threes in the NBA. Yeah, see guys like DeAndre Jordan, uh, Blake Griffin. Big guys shoot threes now. Al Horford shoots threes. Everybody on the basketball court tries to shoot threes because analytics say that's the best way to do it. Three-point shooting changed the game of basketball. Will the air raid have the same effect on the NFL? It's a great question. And in my opinion, so the Cardinals run the air raid offense with Cliff Kingsbury, and I think they're going to be great with the air raid. Arizona is a wonderful place to run that kind of offense because they play indoors. So they play eight games a year in a dome. They also play twice a year in California with the 49ers and the Rams. Those 10 games lend themselves quite well to an air raid offense where you throw nearly every play. You spread teams out. An air raid offense, if you don't know, usually use four receivers. That's the way Cliff Kingsbury has done it so far with the Cardinals. Use four wide receivers to try to steal yards. You throw almost every play. And then if the team, here's the question though with the air raid. I, I think they have the horses to do it in Arizona. Their offensive line's not great, but they're getting the ball out quick. I like their wide receivers. I think their quarterback is fantastic. Here is the question with the Arizona Cardinals. When the Cardinals go four wide, teams are going to have to make an adjustment and put fewer guys in the box. What that means is they're going to have fewer defenders 
to stop the run. If teams put fewer defenders in the box, can the Cardinals run the ball effectively? When they have five defenders and five linemen to block them, can they win and run the ball well? That will dictate how well the air raid runs. I know it doesn't seem like it. I do think running the ball in the NFL still matters. And if they can't run the ball when they have numbers in the box, they're going to struggle because that's the key. You count the box and the air raid offense go, oh, hey, they only have five defenders in the box. We have five guys to block them. We got to be able to run for four yards here. Now, here's the other main issue, man. In cold weather with the air raid offense, you struggle. Last year, I worked for the Pac-12 Network when, no, it was Fox Sports, actually. Last year was Fox Sports when Washington State played University of Washington in Pullman, Washington, in a blizzard. It was ridiculous. A ton of snow everywhere, and I was on the sidelines working. Washington State runs an air raid offense, and they couldn't catch the ball. They couldn't throw the ball. The ball was waterlogged. It was really heavy and covered in snow. They, they couldn't complete passes, and they could not beat University of Washington. Their offense didn't work because cold weather is, in my opinion, the biggest weakness of the air raid offense. Now, look, in the NFL, you got to – but again, if it's snowing, the ball's wet, and this is how it is. And you got to be able to run the ball in cold weather. Now, the Cardinals have an advantage, right? If they have home field advantage in the playoffs, they'll be fine. They'll play indoors, no problem. But if in January you're asking the Arizona Cardinals to play a game at Soldier Field or I'm trying to think of Green Bay, Green Bay, Wisconsin, man, in the snow, throwing the ball every play, good luck. Good luck. You got to be able to run the ball in the playoffs, in my opinion. And that's the weakness of the air raid offense in the NFL. I I think the Cardinals are going to be fun to watch. I think they're going to put up a lot of points. I don't know if that'll translate to wins, but they will be fun. Will that translate to wins? Will that translate to Super Bowls? I don't know. But I think the air raid is going to be great in Arizona. And I cannot wait to watch how it works out. Thank you. That was Evan. Thank you for the great question. I really appreciate that. The next question is from Derek. It's a long one. Uh, A long one, but a meaningful one. I I put this one second because I really, really liked it. Derek says this. Derek says, hey, Zach, with an exclamation point. I wanted to shoot you a quick message thanking you for the awesome content you produce. It's nice to have a free podcast in which the host really knows their stuff. I I didn't. That's not what I wanted. Sorry. That's cool, but whatever. Uh, Thank you. Sorry. Thank you, Derek. I appreciate it. I always wanted to extend my thanks for you spreading awareness on mental health. This is what I loved, man. He said, I am diagnosed with anxiety, depression, and schizophrenia. And although I am completely stable nowadays, These issues still mean a lot to me. I'm deeply sorry for your loss of a loved one. I'm wishing you and your family the best. Derek, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, Mental health is a huge issue. I'm glad you brought it up. Thank you for for your message. I wanted to read that on the show because I really, really think it matters and it's important. Derek says, "I'm, I'm glad to be a patron and support your work. I'm a college guy myself, so I know the struggle. And I wanted to help contribute in any way I can. Derek, I hope you have the money to support me. A dollar a month makes sense. Please, if you don't have the money, don't support me. I, I, don't, I don't know how to, because I, I want your questions and, and I hope you can financially. So if you're struggling with money, please, um, I understand that. I'm a college kid myself. I know how hard money is. And uh, I, I just, man, it's cool that you're in college and you support me. That means a lot to me. This is the question from Derek. Derek says, lastly, <laughs> is it possible to throw in a question from Ask Zach? Yeah, please do so. I want more questions. By the way, we, want, we need more questions. Ask Zach. I, I'm running out of questions very quickly. Please, if you if, support me on Patreon, ask more questions. I want them to come from you guys says, if so, it seems like every year a team flies under the radar and a team is always overhyped. 
going into this NFL season, which teams can you see exceeding expectations and which team do you see underperforming personally? I think the Packers will disappoint this year while the Jaguars can surprise people again, like in 2017. He said, thanks again. Greetings from Texas. Eagles fan from Texas, by the way. So it's always fun. That's brutal. Hope you don't live in Dallas. <laughs> he said, also, good luck in your upcoming football season. Leave it on the field, my man. Leave it on the field, man. Uh, Derek, man, uh, thank you so much. Thanks for sharing. Now, I try to avoid opinion shows. So his question was, you know, which team will go under the radar? Which team is overhyped? I'm not sure who the media loves and who they don't love. Now, my suspicion, though, is that the Colts are not being talked about enough. The Indianapolis Colts are building something really, really special. Andrew Luck is an unbelievable quarterback, and nobody seems to notice. It's so bizarre to me. I've never seen a quarterback less appreciated than Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck is not only a great quarterback. The Colts are entering year two with Frank Reich, their new head coach. They've been drafting unbelievably recently. The Colts are a really good playoff team. They were a playoff team last year. And they're better this year. The Colts are an underrated team more people should talk about. They might make it to the Super Bowl. They are, they are that good. And if not this year, then next year or the year after. They have a great core of young, talented players that they drafted and have cheap contracts. They have Jack Doyle at tight end, Eric Ebron at tight end, T.Y. Hilton at wide receiver. They have Marlon Mack at running back, Deion Kane at receiver for the guy from Clemson who I loved in college, Justin Houston at defensive end. They have... Uh, Bobby Okaliki, Okariki. Wow, I know the guy, I promise. Okariki from Stanford at linebacker. Darius Leonard at linebacker. They have a great offensive line they drafted through the draft. Um, man, I, I think the Colts are an underrated team in the NFL and should be more appreciated. Now on the flip side, I think the 49ers could be disappointing because of their quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers quarterback, played in three games last year then tore his ACL. If the three games were any indication whether or not he's a good quarterback, I would be petrified if I'm a 49ers fan. His three, three games I saw on film were not impressive. He did not look good. He, looked, he was holding onto the ball way too long. He was trying to do too much. Made a lot of mistakes. Now the question is, did Jimmy Garoppolo and will Jimmy Garoppolo improve? I think it's possible. So I think the Colts are an underrated, underappreciated team. I think the 49ers are a team that could be overhyped. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is way wildly overpaid. And I was not impressed with what I saw on film last year. I don't feel good about that. A lot of 49ers fans listen to this podcast. I'm sorry to say I was not impressed with your quarterback last year. Derek, um, thank you for sharing your story. I'm rooting for you in life. And uh, I just, man, and mental health is a huge issue. If you're struggling, please go get help. And again, uh, the suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That is my mission with this show is to talk about mental health. And, uh, you know, my brother took his life three years ago. It's a huge deal to me. And Derek, thank you for your question. The next question comes from Chris. Uh, <laughs> I love this question. He said, hey, Zach, I'm a big fan of SOS and also of the football goat Tom Brady and the England Patriots. I'm not a Patriots fan, but I love, I love myself some Tom Brady. Uh, he said, I really enjoyed the addition of this segment to your podcast. So I wanted to ask you a question. Well, thank you. And please, Chris, ask as many questions as you want. I love your guys' questions. So Chris says this, which do you think is more important in winning a Super Bowl? An elite quarterback such as Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes or an elite defense such as the Bears or the Rams? Thank you for considering my question and hopefully you answer it. Keep up the great work and I'll miss SOS when you take a break for college football. Uh, Chris, Chris, which is best? You know, a defense or an elite quarterback? 
Can I say, you know, both are really important? I think you kind of need both. You need it all. You need a great quarterback. Uh, you need a guy playing really well at quarterback, and you need a great roster. Uh, now, I will say this. You don't need an elite quarterback. You don't need a top five quarterback to win a Super Bowl, but you need good quarterback play. So I guess maybe that's the answer to the question. A, an elite roster is more important. Dak Prescott with the Dallas Cowboys could win a Super Bowl, but he needs a lot of help and a good roster. I look at history, right? Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. And Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. What was the key ingredient for all of those Super Bowl wins? Those guys were never top five quarterbacks in the NFL. They're not elite quarterbacks. They're good quarterbacks, though. They, uh, Trent Dilfer, maybe that's a stretch to call him good. I've met him. Great guy. Really nice. But yeah. but Nick Foles, Joe Flacco, they're good quarterbacks. Not elite. Not top five, certainly. They won Super Bowls because they had really good rosters. So maybe that's the answer to the question, Chris, is if I had to pick one, a great roster or a, a great quarterback, I'd have a really great roster with a good quarterback. But you still need good quarterback play. You know, when Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos, he was gimpy, he was old, he was not the same. But in the Super Bowl, when his team needed him, he played good enough to win. Trent Dilfer played good enough in the moment. Nick Foles was good in the moment. you got to have good quarterback play or you can't win a Super Bowl. But you also got to have a good roster. You, you need a good roster to win a Super Bowl, but you're not going to win a Super Bowl if your quarterback stinks. But look, everybody knew that. But again, I guess that's the truth. You know, when I'm faced with a decision, I would choose to have a great roster. Uh, I'll take Dak Prescott with a great roster. I'll take, you know, Kirk Cousins. I'll take Joe Flacco with a great roster because guess what? Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl when he had a great roster. Okay, uh, Jacob asked me a question. I'm going to turn around and grab, grab something behind me. So Jacob asked a question. He said, sorry, I hit the mic. <laughs> Jacob says, hey, Zach. Well, he first says, ask Zach. I would hope so. I just assume all questions now are like for ask Zach. That's what I do. He said, what's the story behind the two mooses behind you? Is it moose or meese? I'm going to say moose is this whole segment. I hope that's right. So these are my two moose. And uh, I put them behind me on the show. Uh, Jacob, moose in my family used to symbolize uh, my siblings. My dad had three mooses identical to this one. This is one of the three. And um, each one represented me and my siblings. You know, one... One for me, one for my brother Zane, and one for my brother Zeke. And uh, when my brother died, it was really sad because my dad had three mooses and uh, only two sons. And so he actually he gave me this moose. I was on a road trip once. Uh, my dad, loves, he always brings one of the stuffed mooses with him on the trip, like a little adventure buddy. And I, I was messing around my Instagram story, and I just had fun with it. And uh, took a, a picture on Instagram. You can see it if you want. You sw- swipe to the right. It's one of the posts. Um, but, you know... People loved it on my Instagram story. They kept calling the moose the unofficial mascot of strong opinion sports. And so I just quietly put it behind me as a fun memento. And anybody who watched my Instagram story kind of got it and knew the inside joke. Um, and so what that did is that led to someone sending me another moose. Uh, a fan sent me a moose through the mail. They decorated a shirt. It says SOS on it. I don't know if you can see it. Uh, they put it, you know, they put a shirt on it. They put Zach Schaumler on the moose. Uh, and that was amazing. And so... You know, from now on, I just, I was like, you know, I'm going to put mooses behind me. That's going to be my thing. And when I someday get a P.O. box, that's the new fun thing I'm going to do. And you guys can send me silly mooses. That'd be fun. I would love to have a studio someday. Like you see Dan Patrick's show. I'm not a decorations guy. I hate junk. I hate crap. I don't have any trinkets. I'm very, my, my house, my room is super boring. It's a bed, a nightstand, and a, a ton of notebooks because I write all the time. Um, but the thing I would love to embrace is just have a, a background full of moose stuffed animals. That'd be really, really funny to me. 
and like super weird because like what does that mean and the inside joke for everybody watching would be just really fun and so someday when i have a p.o box i think i'll even put my college address out there because my you know it's protected and i feel safer there and uh i'll say hey, send me mooses if you want that'd be cool so jacob that is what the mooses behind me mean and that's why they're there okay uh, noah asked a question noah says this he says what was one of the hardest things you had to learn as a quarterback, both on the field and in the locker room? Noah, the hardest thing for me as a quarterback was emotional poise. I could always throw the ball really well. I, I'm pretty, I, I think I know how to read a defense really well. I've always loved doing that work and studying the playbook. For me, managing my emotions was the toughest battle. Uh, and it's not just as a quarterback. It's just in everyday life, you know, learning how to face a tough situation and be calm and be chill. Uh, you don't want to be too high. You don't want to be too low. And, and you don't want to get stressed. In high school, I was always best when the pressure was on. Because I just, for some reason, it like unlocked something. I was like, oh yeah, like we're down eight. We need to score. I have nothing to lose. And I just played great and like was awesome. Uh, you know, there were a couple times in high school I'm really proud of where there were moments where we needed to deliver and I did. Uh, we had a game we lost on national television. But I scored a touchdown with a minute left. I threw a touchdown pass. And drove, I drove us down the field, threw a touchdown pass in the minute left, and I was like, man, I, if this fluke play hadn't happened, we, we were on come on, man, for a long time where, you know, we, we kicked a field goal, or they kicked a field goal, we blocked it, they picked it up and ran for a touchdown, that was my team, if you ever watched come on, man, that was my high school team, it sucked really bad, but I had a, I had a touchdown with a minute left, and I was proud of that, you know, I, I had a game-winning, in my opinion, touchdown, other than this fluky play, uh, we won a game in the playoffs one time where we were down 21 at halftime to this perennial state champion, and came back. I broke every record in that game. Every passing record at our school, I broke in that game. And, you know, I, I think that being able to be calm in the moment was the biggest battle and the biggest thing I struggled with as a quarterback. Um, look, I, I would have loved to have been taller. Would have loved to have a stronger arm. Can't control those things. But what I always could control was my attitude, my effort. And mental learning how to coach myself into having mental poise was a huge deal to me. Um, you know, I used to always worry about stupid crap. I'd get really amped up at the beginning of games. And uh, the more I learned to just embrace it and be cool with myself, I'm a quiet, introverted guy. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty weird and quirky, honestly. Watch my Instagram story. I'm a very weird dude. Uh, but I just accepted that I'm, that's who I am. I'm a low-key guy. And, and learning to embrace who I am and then learning to control my emotions in big moments, and not just control, but like truly, like, it's not even controlling. It's saying, like, acknowledging, hey, this moment is really stressful. And I, you're in traffic. Or something happens, you know, you're hiking, you know, my girlfriend, I do this all the time. We're, we'll be in a stressful situation. We go like, hey, this is stressful. Let's take a deep breath. It's all good. Why are we worried? We shouldn't be. And learning to acknowledge that and dealing with emotional poise. Um, I, maybe that's a different answer than you expected. I, I wish I could say like my arm or this, but that's the thing I had to overcome the most. And I think what will help me the most this fall as a quarterback is um, I've worked really hard to become emotionally poised. So I like Jake Fromm so much. He really, you know, I look up to him a lot and uh, it's really, really cool. The last question of the day comes from Miguel. Where is this paper? There it is. Miguel says this. Hey, Zach, I love your show. I tell all my friends about it because of the great content you put out. He said butt out, but I think he means put out. <laughs> he says, I have two questions for you, uh, Miguel. By the way, I'm going to read both. I'm going to answer one on the next one. How about that? I'll read both and I'll read both again. I'll read the next one again on the other one. Anyways, point is this. He said, Zach, I have two questions for you. First of all, what do you think are the biggest needs for the Dallas Cowboys? And if you can improve one trait as a quarterback, what would it be as in speed, height, arm strength? I'll answer that one tomorrow, the height, arm strength one. Um, 
and maybe I won't. I think I kind of answered it today anyways. But the Dallas Cowboys, what do the Cowboys need? I'll be honest. Uh, maybe an outside-the-box answer. The Cowboys need cap room. I really like, you know, I might be the only one. Everyone says the Cowboys suck. They're not going to win a Super I hear all these comments all the time. I love the direction the Dallas Cowboys are headed in. I think they have a great core of young players. Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, Leighton Van Der Esch at, uh, at linebacker. I love Jalen Smith. They have a great offensive line still. I mean, I know they're not the same, but they're still a really good offensive line. And I think if they can just find a way to keep all their players on their roster, they're going to do really special things. As Dak Prescott gets better and they grow together as a team, I think the Cowboys have a lot of potential. The thing is they just need to stay together. And so if the Cowboys can, in fact, find a way to stay together, maybe the way they create more cap room is they get rid of somebody. They get, you know, they let Robert Quinn walk away or they let Ezekiel Elliott, they get rid of him and say, we want the cap space because we want to keep everybody else together. If the Cowboys can find a way to create more salary cap, uh, maybe an impossible task, but that's what they should do. I really think that they have a good roster and, and a, a roster that can win a Super Bowl eventually. And maybe sooner than we think. A lot of people don't believe in that, but I, I really like their roster. But the key is they got to be able to keep all the pieces they have in Dallas. And that's the puzzle, the jigsaw puzzle that's really hard. So, uh, Miguel, that's how I would answer that. They just need to find a way to keep their team together. Uh, guys, thank you so much. Uh, please ask more questions. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, you know, I, I don't like acknowledging this, but it's true. Like I'm running out of questions. I, th- I don't know if people are afraid to ask questions. I've gotten so many new Patreon supporters, but they're not all asking questions. And so please, if you support me on Patreon, send me a direct message or, you know, comment on one of the posts I put on Patreon, find a way uh, through Patreon. It's the only way I accept them, but find a way through Patreon. Ask me questions. I, I, you know, I have like, I have like five left and that's it. So I want a lot. I want a giant pool to choose from. I don't want to have a ton. So please, if you're on Patreon, you support me on Patreon, find a way to send me a question because I want to hear your questions. I want to answer them. Our Patreon numbers have gone up, but the questions have not. So please, if you support me on Patreon, ask a bunch of questions. You can send me like 20 in one day. I'll get to them eventually. I have a giant document full of I'm gonna. It's just full of questions. Send me your questions. Uh, Caleb, I want to answer to you. I got your question. I'm going to answer it on the next show. So Caleb, I love you so much. You've supported me so much through the years. Uh, that is Ask Zach. Thank you so very much. And that's all I have for the podcast. I want to make one more note just because it's funny to me. I, I even wrote it down. I took notes on the stupid thing. I said, uh, guys, I, I love my beard. I am so proud of it. Uh, I cannot believe Some people hate my beard. I don't understand. I get it's not perfect. I have no idea what I'm doing. It's really scraggly right now. I just I haven't even, I didn't even clean it up this morning. I usually clean it up for every episode. And I, I was up all night. I didn't even sleep. Um, but, you know, I love it. It's not going away. It's something I really enjoy having. I think it looks cool. I like it. If you don't like it, if you really like truly hate my beard, there's an audio-only version of the podcast you can listen to. I really like it. Um, I think most people like it. And uh, it, it really is sad to me that it doesn't fill. This is what I want to talk about. It hasn't filled out more on the cheeks. My hair here on the cheek is all blonde. It doesn't show up on camera like at all. There is hair here. It's just really blonde, and you can't see it. And that makes me sad. But I know that over time, I've gotten a lot of messages from people on Instagram saying like, here's my beard now, and here's what it looked like when I was a kid, and it filled out over time. So, man, I just want to say I love the beard, and uh, I love you guys. I'm so grateful you guys listen and support Strong Opinion Sports. I'm so excited for the future of the show, and uh, that is all I have. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, ba bum bam, we are done. Uh, one more thing. I, I wanted you guys – I zoomed out the camera. I wanted everybody to see this. 
Um, this, by the way, is the room I record in. Uh, it's like you can see my feet. It's a crappy desk. Like I hope you guys understand that. I, you know, I don't know how it looks from the really tight angle I usually use, but this is the room I record in. This is what it looks like in my studio. You know, quote studio, and uh, it's just it's just a basement. It's just uh, I've always wanted to share this, and I never have. And so here it is. You're welcome. I love you guys, and I'm grateful you listen. So thank you so much. Have a great day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is my podcast, Strong Opinion Sports. It is my favorite thing in the entire world. And you may not know, um, my dream when I graduate college eventually is to do this show as my full-time job. Uh, now, I also want to be very upfront and honest about my plan and what's going on. I recently monetized my YouTube channel. What that means is that some of my videos make money through ad revenue. Uh, now, it's fewer than you think. A lot of my videos get claimed. Um, but in the past, I've received donations through the form of PayPal and Patreon.com. PayPal.me forward slash Zach Schaumler. Patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. So because I'm making ad revenue, it felt weird to just get donations. I wanted to give something back to the people who support me on Patreon. So now there's a reward. If you support me on Patreon, you can submit questions at the, at the dollar level or above. You just need to give a dollar a month. If you do that, you can submit questions to a pool of questions where I look at. I read all the questions on Patreon. And I pick the top couple every episode and read them and answer them on a, a segment called Ask Zach. Pick the top couple questions um, and answer them at the end of every single episode. Now, that's for people who want to support me with money. If you have no money to give, I totally understand. I've actually never supported anybody on Patreon. I feel kind of weird about that. I'm a broke college kid myself. I totally understand. Um, but if you believe in me and you, if you believe in my dream and still want to help me, one thing you can do is help me grow by telling your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. Share it on Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is. Help me grow by telling your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. Guys, thank you so much. I know that was a long spiel. I really appreciate it, and uh, hope you have a great day.